and I'm going to start this whole thing again because I didn't start my recorder. So, hey everybody, Abel here, Sustainable Self-Development Podcast, and um, in this particular episode, and hopefully in future episodes such as this one, we will do something interesting uh, with a special guest, Vincent Paregna, who will hopefully join me in future episodes. And we are going to document our progress on a few areas of our lives. And of course, in the forefront will be training and nutrition. And in this particular episode, we are going to be talking about nutrition and more specifically, the nutritional progress of uh, Vincent, who is uh, currently conducting a bit, a bit of a case study on himself. And um, But he's going to tell you all about that and um, with that, I'll give you the microphone, Vincent, so that people are not completely in the dark, so they know who you are and what the hell I'm talking about here. So, Vincent, who are you? What should people know about you? And then we will delve into what you're planning to do with your nutrition in the first place. What's up? I am Vincent Spragna. I just attend college and I'm interested in fitness on the side. I recently started a website called scienceandiron.net where I offer online coaching services, and I'm currently conducting a case study on myself. As Abel mentioned, we'll be diving into that as the podcast goes on. So uh, yeah, awesome. So um, with that, let's dive into uh, what is this um, nutritional plan that you're about to conduct on yourself is like, what are you trying to achieve? What are your body composition goals? What is, is your plan? And maybe before you dive into that, maybe you can give a bit of a, a background as to, you know, wh what kind of situation you're coming from and what motivated you to uh, to conduct this uh, case study. Or I don't even know if case study is the proper term. Like, what are you trying to achieve and why are you trying to achieve it? Just let's start there. Prior to actually beginning this quote-unquote case study, I'm treating it like a case study, even though it's probably not actually going to be published. It might be, but I think it's unlikely at this point. Anyway, prior to this case study, I went through a period of maintenance for four weeks. But the months before that were rather difficult for me, adherence-wise, with diet. And I had gone off the rails and really put on a lot of weight. I think something like 40 pounds just lost in this cycle of binging and thinking I should be dieting and trying to purge it off and just stuck pretty much running through that cycle continuously. I think I put on something obscene like 20 pounds in a month one because binging got so bad. And I've been struggling with disordered eating issues in the past as well, more so with dieting and closer to anorexia than bulimia in the past. Definitely didn't struggle with binging, but I would go extended periods of starving myself, for lack of a better term, for, in hopes of losing fat. So I've been on both extreme ends of that continuum and got the worst of both of it over the years. I've since come to a better place with food, and as the case study has been progressing, I've established better habits dietarily. So I'm currently losing weight, and my case study is specifically set out to assess the effects of body comp on body composition of taking one week to diet and lose fat at roughly the maximal rate at what I estimate is around 20 calories per pound of body fat. And that's also a number that falls in between the 
recommended guidelines in Eric Helms' natural bodybuilding guidelines paper of 1% to 0.5% of your body weight per week. I'm doing that with an intermittent caloric restriction protocol for half of the study. Every other week, I'm dropping between 1% and 0.5% of my body weight, dieting three to four days of each week that I'm in fact dieting. And then I'm just maintaining for the alternate week. As the study period goes on, I will be assessing my lean body mass according to BIA scale and fat mass as well. Then over time, I take measurements and report my circumference for chest, waist, hips, and a caliper at the waist as well. Then I track pretty much every variable of my day-to-day life. So everything from weight, body fat percentage, lean body mass, body water percentage, bone mass on a daily basis. Then I track stress, subjective from 1 to 10 on a daily basis, mood, subjective from 1 to 10, how many daily instances of hunger I experience, how many meals I eat per day, sleep in hours per day, steps per day, water intake in milliliters or grams per day, food weight in grams per day, protein, carbohydrate, and fat in grams per day, and of course energy intake derived from those numbers. And I average all of those over the weeks to yield outcomes such as average TDE over weeks, average tri-weekly total daily energy expenditure, and various other numbers that I'm just making note of. I'm not doing any cardio throughout this dietary period, and I'm going to maintain that constant just for sake of keeping these things consistent throughout the case study. So no targeted cardio, but yeah, that's basically it. I'll let Abel take over. Okay, cool. So uh, yeah, thank you for that intro. That uh, yeah, that seems like one hell of a precise uh, case study <laughs> that you're uh, conducting on yourself. So uh, first of all, just just to backtrack for a second, you mentioned that you have been uh, you've had some difficult periods, but now you're in a better place and you're just coming off of a period of maintenance. So. How would you evaluate now your kind of situation as far like in a psychological sense? Uh, how did this four weeks of maintenance treat you? And uh, I, I think that's a very positive thing overall, by the way, that you, you've been able to do that. Um, you know, like whenever I hear that someone has just gone through some real rough period in, in terms of, you know, having some binges and uh, overeating and purging and all that kind of stuff. Of course, that's a red flag for anybody, but when they want to diet immediately after that, that's usually a pretty big red flag for me. Uh, but it's good that you just completed a period of maintenance. If I'm understanding correctly, you are dieting every other week, but perhaps uh, it would be now a good point to actually delve into the the specifics of uh, what you're doing. So if you want, you can just uh, start outlining your, your plan as to whatever, macronutrient breakdowns, calorie amounts, um, how you're setting everything up. And uh, we will link all these to uh, the listeners of this podcast so that they can see. So to get into the specifics of the case study, here's my diet templates. And this outlines what I'm doing with training and diet days or maintenance days. I have this color coded. All right, guys. So when you will hear things like this, such as this thing is color coded or 
I'll show this to you on the spreadsheet. Uh, we are referring to a spreadsheet on which we are looking at the progress of uh, Vincent's nutrition or later my training when we will be talking about that. In the future, we will try to make sure that we don't say things like this because it's mainly an audio experience. But for this one, we'll make sure that we actually link to the spreadsheets in the description if you actually want to check those out. But hopefully this podcast will be understandable without you actually seeing these spreadsheets. So hopefully it will not be very confusing and the discussions and the dialogues will be sufficiently understandable. So the red days are the diet days. Those are protein sparing modified fasts in which I will minimize my food intake. Really, if I'm eating anything, it's going to be protein. So the last few times I've done this, it's just been skip breakfast, go to school, get back, eat a pre-workout piece of chicken, get back from my workout, and skip my meal that I would normally have later in the day and go to sleep on my diet days. Then on my maintenance days, I have three meals per day, typically, and that's going to be spread one in the morning, one pre-workout, and one a few hours after my workout, or more like one hour after my workout. I train on five days a week currently. So I have, I'm in a trained state the vast majority of the time, but for the few days that I'm in a rested state and protein needs are therefore less, I implement my protein sparing modified fasts or For the third protein-sparing modified fast, I'll have to implement given that I only have two rest days. I incorporate that on a leg day because I just don't care about growing my legs quite as much as I care about growing my upper body. So for a maintenance week, every single day will just be roughly maintenance, plus or minus 100 calories. And then if it's plus, I would, or minus, on one day, I would make up for it the next day. So pretty rough maintenance, and that's easily maintained at this point. Then... I try to make sure I have at least six days of maintenance in between dieting phases, and that's been working really well so far. Thus far through the case study, if we now turn to my nutrition reporting sheet, we can see my daily weigh-ins and my weekly weigh-ins, as well as a lot of charts and tables at the bottom, documenting changes over time in all outcomes that I'm measuring. So daily body weight over time, hip circumference over time, waist circumference over time, total daily energy expenditure estimated over time, stress over time, steps over time, and pretty much every variable that you can imagine will affect my progress in any way. I have been having pretty good success with a very high-protein approach. It's an extremely abnormally high-protein intake of 2.9 to 3.3 grams per kilogram protein on my maintenance days. I don't think there are any immediate downsides, quite honestly. Food food selection is a bit restricted, but it's not much more restricted than it would be for a diet anyway. And considering that I'm getting to eat a fair amount of calories on the maintenance days, this isn't as big of an issue. And I don't find it intrusive personally because I tend to just enjoy eating higher protein foods. So for that reason, I maintain this higher protein intake. I'll be writing an article in the coming weeks on what some good reasons to do that might be. So I'm not going to get into that too much for this discussion. I also track food weight and water intake given that those two variables can likely throw off weigh-ins. But interestingly, I haven't seen a ton of correlation between food intake 
and or rather water intake and weigh-ins. Food intake and weigh-ins does seem to play more of a role, but I'm not sure if that's due to intaking less food on or just for the fact that on the days I'm intaking less food, I'm also dieting, therefore I'm likely to weigh less the next day. So that'll be something more interesting to track as I'm losing more weight throughout the study. For the first 11 weeks of the study, I've gone from 177.6 pounds daily weight on average to 166.829 pounds on a daily basis. And as far as this week has gone on, I started the week at 17.3% body fat, and I'm currently at 17.1% body fat, according to my BIA scale. I'm not precisely sure this, this is accurate, but over time, the readings have definitely been consistent and surprisingly show. So considering that BIA doesn't have a great reputation for consistency in the literature, but I'm going to keep going with it because it seems to be working well. Interestingly, this is a diet, uh, sorry, this isn't a diet week, so I shouldn't be dropping weight. And I just have to reassess my maintenance more than likely. But one of the benefits of eating a higher protein intake is the fact that you get to have a higher maintenance. And that's why I think it might be beneficial for this dieting period. Because I'm currently maintaining my body weight of 166.8 pounds at a caloric intake of, by my estimates, 2330 calorie maintenance or 2310 calorie maintenance actually. And you can view all of these in the sheet yourself if you swap between the nutrition targets and reporting sheets. And if we go to my average estimated TDE or my TDEE per unit body weight, I'm burning between 14 and 17 calories per pound of body weight. And while that isn't impressive at face value, for or it isn't so impressive at face value for a dieting phase, I'm also very sedentary. I'm not doing any cardio whatsoever, and I only get physical activity from working out on a, five days a week. But I'm otherwise not moving, <laughs> and it's rather impressive that I have such a high maintenance intake relative to what I've had in the past more like 2,000 in the past, or 1,800. So I'm enjoying the unexpected increase in food, which has also contributed to my dietary success probably over time. I think I've rambled on for long enough now, so I'm going to let Abel speak. Cool. Very very interesting. Um, so a couple, couple of questions. So what for one, what is uh, your reasoning exactly behind uh, this every other week approach and the um, uh, cyclical dieting approach? So, so maybe let's start first with the other every other uh, week. So, why, why not just you know establish a more maybe like a more moderate approach and do it every week and still keep this cyclical approach of having protein sparing modified fasts and maintenance days. So what, what is your reasoning uh, behind that? And how do you find it so far, both uh, physically and, uh, and mentally, psychologically? When you say a more moderate approach, what do you mean? I'm just wondering to fully address that part of the question. Because you said swap this approach for a more moderate approach every week rather than aggressive dieting days however many times a week, just to clarify. Well, I mean, I, I, would, I would guess that um, you have a certain amount of weight loss target that you're trying to achieve by dieting every other week. So every two weeks, you will lose X amount of weight. But, you know, maybe you could lose that same amount of weight uh, if you just dieted 
every week, but maybe then you could cut the amount of deficit that you have on every given any given week by half. And then, I don't know, maybe you could have more food on your proteins per modified fast or more food on your maintenance days. Maybe you could be in a slight surplus. Maybe you could uh, allocate more food on your training days, allow for better training sessions. I'm not saying that that would necessarily be better. And I think it's actually a very interesting approach that you're taking. Just curious, what is your uh, exact uh, reasoning behind this sort of every other week setup? Sure. I have a few reasons behind that. Some of them are based on literature that I've seen and others are based on behavioral factors. I find it easy to have maintenance weeks interspersed between diet weeks because I just don't, I haven't had good experiences being dieted for extended periods in the past. And I think there's a fair amount of, eh, I'll hesitate to say fair amount. There's some evidence to suggest that nonlinear dieting can be more beneficial for lean body mass retention than would be linear dieting. And as such, I am implementing ICR as it's known in the literature, intermittent caloric restriction, on in two ways. So first I'm copying how it's been done in the literature with a one week on, one week off approach. I've seen that in a couple studies. And I've also seen literature on alternate day fasting. While I'm not doing alternate day fasting, I am doing protein spare sparing modified fasts from between four and three days per week so far to induce the caloric deficit that I'm going for. In theory, perhaps less time spent in a caloric deficit, even though the magnitude of the deficit is greater, might lead to better lean body mass retention because there may be evolutionarily some reason why you're less likely to lose lean mass being in a deficit for a shorter period of time. And I guess one can see how that works if you consider hunter-gatherer human beings going without food for a day or two probably isn't such a big deal, and you're probably not going to be losing a ton of muscle mass, or at least not have sufficient reason to lose a lot of muscle mass, given that it might be expected food is somewhat scarce for a few days. However, if you go very extended time periods of being in a caloric deficit, then it might be indicative of a famine to the body evolutionarily. And I know this is just very theoretical and probably scientifically inaccurate, but that's at least part of the rationale behind why that might be the case. Regardless of what the reason might be, there are some reviews that suggest better lean body mass retention from an approach like this. And I think it's worth trying because it's non-intrusive and it fits my lifestyle rather well, which I think is the main benefit. I like being able to not worry about dieting for a week straight. And even on my dieting weeks, I only have to worry about dieting for three days. Those three days can suck if you set them up inappropriately, but I've manipulated my environment over these three weeks enough for me to be able to bear those days and actually enjoy those days rather effectively because I just make those days completely unrelated to food. And I don't even think about the diet on those days, which is rather convenient, uh, a convenient setup for longer term maintenance and establishment of proper lifestyle habits. Cause this is something I feel like I could keep up for a while now. Another note on why I might feel that way is because after the maintenance week, I just feel completely stuffed on my maintenance days. I consistently feel like I'm eating way more than I need to be satiated. 
And while this isn't a while this is a problem, it's certainly not as bad a problem as I had in the past with dieting, in which I just find myself starving all the time. So though it's not ideal, it's certainly a better problem to have. Even on my protein sparing modified fast days, given the amount of satiety induced, I guess, and perhaps leptin level is increased from the maintenance week, I don't find myself very hungry unless I've had two to three protein sparing modified fasts in a row. And so far, that means I'm really only hungry on the second day of my protein sparing modified fast for the diet week. So that's one day of hunger or two days of hunger, depending, every two weeks, which is rather nice when you're looking for sustainability. If I were to take a more moderate approach, then I'd be way more in tune with hunger. I don't think it's a bad thing to be in tune with hunger, but I think it's ideal that I don't have to worry about hunger for the early dieting phase, and I can focus more on establishing touch with hunger as I get leaner and I get to a body fat percentage that I actually want to maintain. If I establish dietary habits to maintain a body fat percentage that I'm not comfortable maintaining, it won't be counterproductive, but it's unnecessary to get in touch with hunger right now. And I think I'm going to benefit more so from maintaining the satiating effects of the maintenance periods and carrying that into the dieting days such that I can lose more fat on those days and then not have to worry about the diet at all for the rest of the weeks or for the rest of the time, which is 11 out of 14 days or 10 out of 14 days. Right. No, I and I, I don't think that's uh, unreasonable at all. And in fact, I, I think that uh, as we now know, or, you know, many, many of us have experienced that, you know, over, especially when you have gone over periods when you have purged them and, and binged a lot, a lot of us get really good at cutting aggressively and just slashing our, our calories low and progressing aggressively uh, with a concrete goal in mind to get to a lower body fat percentage. But once we are there, we're often completely lost because we haven't practiced in a long while, maybe, you know, just eating normally. And I think it's great that you have extended periods throughout this dieting process where you're, you're actually practicing maintenance. So I think, I think that, um, you know, most people listening to this who have experience with this kind of stuff would be, you know, would, would approve greatly what you're doing. Because by the time you will arrive to your point, you have spent a good chunk of time already basically practicing the state to which you'll eventually arrive to where basically at this this time, the only difference could be just maybe, you know, eliminating these protein sparing modified fast days or just, you know, eating even even more food on your maintenance days and um, and implementing some more surplus days when you're arrived to your desired body fat percentage or desired weight. So so I think that that's great. And, you know, at seven, 17% body fat, it's not like you're starting at a point right now of being overweight. I mean, this is not where you started, but you're at a reasonably, you know, healthy body fat percentage already and you're having these good habits. So I think you're on the right track. I definitely think that's nice. And I do have plans to make adjustments in the future once hunger becomes more of an issue and I'm at a lower body fat percentage. So as my body fat percentage decreases, I'll certainly be getting hungrier. And while hunger is an issue right isn't an issue right now. I am keeping in mind habits that you've gone over in previous videos on how to ensure that satiety is achieved with proper behavioral eating habits. And 
I think those are going to be more useful in the future when I'm dieting. Because right now I'm not emphasizing those too much. I'm really just eating and the sheer amount of food that I have to eat. I can go about it pretty unconsciously and use large plates, not eat from containers if I wanted to. I haven't been doing all of these things, but if I had to get the extra food in, quote unquote, I could certainly do so. And what's cool about my current level of intake is according to what you've told me in the past, it seems like I have a very low intake of food in terms of weight rather than calories. And I think that lines up with my past experience because in the past I would look at something like beans or nuts as very calorically dense and extremely difficult to work in. But that's actually making up a lot of my current dietary intake. It's just composed of meats, often, uh, yeah, meats, beans, and nuts at the moment, which are good foods to maintain for a dieting period. But I really don't have any vegetables in my diet. I have a few fruits, given the blueberries and kiwis on a regular basis, sometimes avocados, but Really, I have a ton of room to implement fruits and vegetables for higher satiety later on as the diet progresses. Because currently my food weight intake is extremely low, or relative to what it has been in the past at the very least, it's extremely low for me. And I mean, can, sorry, I intend to continue underloading food volume as this period of cur the current caloric intake I have is maintained. I think that if I accommodate myself to consistently in taking a lower food volume, it makes me less susceptible to overeating in the future because I'll feel stuffed after having eaten less food. And I think it will ultimately improve my dietary flexibility with regards to incorporating vegetables later on in the diet phase since vegetables are somewhat heavy. I think my diet can be more dominant on those and it doesn't need to be very dominant on vegetables earlier than until I'm very lean with that approach of underloading food volume. And hopefully by the time I do need to work vegetables in, I won't be eating insane amounts given that I've established a habit of not eating very large amounts of food. So I won't need to emphasize stretch receptors in order to induce satiety as much. I'll be more satiated simply given the fact that my stomach has, I'm not going to say my stomach has shrunk, but <laughs> because I don't know if that's what actually happens, but I've accommodated to eating less food, and I just think that's probably a good tool to have if I'm trying to keep my maintenance body weight intake low. Additionally, I've made a transition to eating blander foods, so even though they're calorically dense, things like beans, meats, and nuts aren't the most hyperpalatable foods, and they're certainly not what, I'm, what I had struggles on binging, which was primarily dessert foods with lots of fat, sugar, and good texture. I don't think I've been eating many of those foods, and I've gotten to the habit of not eating those foods, which, one, has altered my taste for food. I've come to enjoy sweet foods less, I think, or I've, I've at least come to enjoy other foods more, and relatively it's the same effect. Additionally, it's perhaps changed my gut bacteria over time significantly. And gut bacteria can change rather instantly, depending on what you take in. But if you feed the same gut bacteria for an extended period of time, then perhaps it just changes your gut microbiome environment 
more so permanently for the longer term if you establish proper eating habits for extended periods of time. That's a lot of speculation on my part because I'm not a researcher on the gut microbiome. But from what I have read up on, it seems to be that establishing eating habits can certainly affect your gut microbiome in the longer term as well. So I think that's a beneficial change to induce. And lastly, I like the fact that I have a bit of flexibility with some of the sweeter foods if I want it. I simply haven't exercised that to this point. But with a protein intake of 248 grams, uh, or that's meant today's protein intake, but I have a target intake of 240 to 260 grams of protein per day. I can work in foods like protein bars or halitop ice cream. And for people who are in the US and are familiar with those foods, they tend to be pretty much like dessert foods, at least when you're dieted down. For bodybuilders, quote unquote, but it's just very useful to have that option given that they're high in protein and they actually fit my macros. So there's no quote unquote stress to eating those. It doesn't feel like you're necessarily cheating your diet or sinning or what have you when you incorporate this in. So I think my diet is definitely on a good trajectory because I've established the proper eating habits that I want to thus far accommodated to eating the foods that I want to eat on a regular basis and have a lot of room for flexibility in the future, depending on where I want to go with dietary changes and how my hunger reacts as I get leaner. I think I think it's great that you are keeping these things in mind. For example, the food volume, I think uh, that's one pitfall that um, it, it's one of those things that is very, very useful. I, and I've talked about it in a couple of podcast episodes in the past that uh, food volume is something that we play around with a lot and we get very creative with working in these treats and, you know, high fiber foods. And uh, those are kind of great hacks to make the dieting process easier. But eventually those habits are, while to some degree they will always be useful to manage satiety on a maintenance or even on a gaining phase, um, like I, they are also kind of non-conducive to just everyday real life living, you know, when you feel completely starved and just non-satisfied when you don't get to stuff your stuff stuff your stomach full of high fiber high volume stuff then it can be just very problematic from a long-term sustainability perspective so i think it's it's great that you're keeping all all that stuff in in uh, perspective um anything uh, that you think would be useful to to mention about your um progress or anything that you have um, maybe questions or you would like to get some feedback on that we could touch on? Yeah, sure. Uh, there's probably one more thing that's been extremely crucial to my progress, I think, that I didn't mention because it has nothing to do with diet directly, but it has pretty much everything to do with lifestyle and behavior change. So therefore, it's highly influential to my diet. I've very much shifted my outlook on life a bit, and I'm being driven a lot more to be much more productive and accomplish a lot while I'm young. I think that's a sound opportunity because if I don't go for everything that I can achieve now, then I think I'm probably going to regret it in the future. And as such, the vast majority of my day is spent working. So I don't need to care about diet as much because that's just not where my head is at all. I'm always concerned with getting more work done on a daily basis. And that's generally schoolwork because as a college kid, that's primarily the work I'm handed. But sometimes that's writing articles and 
helping out at scifit.net if I have the chance, though I haven't been doing that as much recently. I think it's very useful for a dieter to not care about the diet as much as something else in their life. So for me, that happens to be just being a productive person. And I think that's greatly beneficial because I'm not thinking about my diet at all on a daily basis. And I don't have the urges to get creative with my food choices and start making these odd dietary selections that I might have in the past. I completely take my mind off cooking. My mom is luckily a stay-at-home mom and she's perfectly willing to cook food for me. So I just let her cook my food on a daily basis. Then I'll just take whatever the hell she made for me. Not, Not like I don't pick what she makes for me. I just, I go out and do my own grocery shopping and stuff, but she's willing to cook the food and I just eat it every day. So no meal prep on my part, which is a huge service to me. And I put myself in an environment where I'm constantly finding reasons to avoid eating. So I wake up in the morning, I get ready for going out and then I eat breakfast just before I leave. I think that's an ideal time to eat because I'm about to be leaving for school or work because school is pretty much my job at this point. And every single day, there's no incentive to overeat in the morning because I would then be uncomfortable my entire day going through school. Just stomach discomfort from overeating or perhaps I'd show up late to school because I spent extra time eating. And these are things that I just avoid given my values and my priorities There's absolutely no incentive for me to overeat in that situation because of the social implications and the detriment it could have on my work. So that's useful. Then once I get back from school, I have another meal, but that's immediately pre-workout. And again, it's more in line with my values to not overeat in that meal, given the fact that I have my workout coming up and I don't want my stomach discomfort to interfere with my workout, nor do I want to look bad at the gym or (laughs) any of those things. So, and getting the workout is higher priority for me because I'm conducting this case study. It's like, well, I could skip the workout and overeat, but who am I doing any service to? I'm really not doing well. And even on my rest days, I still have the incentive of getting right back to work after that meal. So that works ideally too, because I prioritize getting my workout in and getting my work done more than any of those things. My third meal comes right before I would be doing my hygiene routine and getting ready to go to sleep. And I value sleep greatly because of the former two things that I value and diet as well. Sleep is significant for maintaining proper appetite and metabolism throughout the dieting phase. And I really emphasize getting a ton of sleep so I can be more productive on my work and my training and have the diet flow over more smoothly. So I wouldn't be tempted to overeat before bed either because I don't want to interfere with my sleep given a bloated stomach or digestive issues while I'm trying to fall asleep or having to get up and go to the bathroom a bunch of times if I drank too much of something or had a liquid calorie beverage or what have you. So I really just never put myself in a position where I'm able to overeat. And on my diet days, I just spend more time at school and more time in the gym to compensate for time that I would have spent eating. So or more time at work on my computer if neither of those two options are available. So definitely just shifting your mentality to not care about food as much and really prioritize what you want your life to look like. Do you want to be the guy that just eats all the time and yeah, he enjoys it, but 
that doesn't accomplish very much in my opinion. So I don't find satisfaction in being the guy that eats these bizarre meals and finds them luxurious or <laughs> retreats to his sanctuary every night because he hasn't enjoyed his day at work or something. And now he just gets to eat his meal and listen to his podcast. That was me at one point, And I can't say I look back happily on those days. I think it's much better from a lifestyle approach and just all of my relationships in addition to my personal self-worth. If I am more productive in my daily tasks, if I take pride in going to the gym, getting my work done, getting my sleep, and being a skinnier person over time with food restriction when appropriate. You can comment on that, Abel. Oh, man, yeah. That was that was so well said. And yeah, it brought to mind a lot of things, but you know, it's... Um, when you are when you have established bad habits over a long period of time, it's for one obviously it's manifesting itself in the in the binging, overeating, and and uh, constant uh, follow up restrictions and just slashing your calories. That that's one thing that's kind of the obvious stuff, and of course the corresponding uh, weight gain, all, all that kind of stuff. But a lot of the things that you establish as habits and identity are not as immediately apparent, and um, you know. I've talked about it a lot uh, on the podcast, how I had some not so healthy uh, behaviors around food in the past. And, you know, even now I'm I'm noticing myself, like, why am I spending so much fucking time cooking? Like, I'm doing a lot of the things that I used to do, you know, in my perma-dieting periods. And that's not because I need to do those things. It's not because I'm hungry anymore or anything. Like, I'm well-fed, I'm healthy uh, physically and, and mentally, I would like to think. But those things don't just get undone very quickly. And and I it's great that you're mindful of these things and you're consciously working on reversing these things. And these are actually some of the things I started doing myself. Like I actually put a limit on, okay, this is meal two or three. Like how much time I'm allowing myself to spend on this? Like, do I need more time than 15, 20 minutes to finish this meal? Like, no, like this is ridiculous. Like how, how much useful stuff could I do with this amount of time that I'm spending in the kitchen putting together this high fiber concoction that I'm out I'm about to do? Not that I'm eating super high fiber at the moment. Like it would be way too much at this point because I'm in a caloric surplus. Uh, I've been for a while, but still, that these these are habits that you literally trained your brain to to turn towards, and it takes some unwiring to do. So yeah, um, great points. I don't know if you have any follow up comment on this. Yeah, I definitely agree. To give a more practical example, just because quote-unquote work isn't necessarily the most useful claim, this week was all about creating my website, for instance, primarily, or at least the first three days of this week. And the prior month was dedicated to getting an A in my politics course at a college that I hope to get accepted at. And that paid off. I got an A in the course and got my website created. So now I'm off. I've accomplished some stuff this week and I can do more stuff next week. I'm probably going to write another article with between now and the time that school starts. I'm likely going to help make a little more progress on Adam's article for Cypha.net, the Keto Review Part 2. Ideally, I can contribute a bit more to that project between now and then. And really just not thinking about food because I don't want to be Vincent the Chef or Vincent the Eater or I want to be known for my work and what I contribute back to society because I ultimately have a greater purpose at this point. 
than the bodybuilder or the guy who just likes stuffing food down his neck. It's really all about what can I do to improve the world at this point? How can I establish better relationships with other people and improve the lives of others in any way that I can, such that I can benefit from, such that I can reap the benefits of working with others and contributing to projects larger than myself and my own existence. It's just not at all a good investment for me to think about food, especially considering my history with binging. That's really just hell. That's all I recall back from that time period of my life. It was like everything I had going for me well, my abs, my work ethic, got interfered with because I allowed myself to establish these habits of falling in love with the food and really becoming obsessed with eating and constantly thinking about my next meal and when that's going to come to the point that I disliked every other aspect of my life. And currently, that's just the complete opposite scenario. I don't think about food at all. And when I do eat, I don't dislike eating, but I think of it as a necessary task rather than something to enjoy. And ultimately, I make sure I eat foods that are conducive to my goals because I just don't have any other reason to not do so at this point. I know that when I stray too far away from those habits, things get extremely bad because I'm eating out of line with my values and my body composition is changing to not reflect my values. I ultimately just feel weak given the fact that I'm acting out a lie when I do that. If I believe one thing and act in a way that suggests I believe another, therefore I just refuse to implement those practices and continue degrading my existence going forward. Life is shitty enough as it is, and there's no need for me to go out of my way and make it worse for myself, knowing what I feel makes things worse. And objectively, that's a worse decision to be in a heavier person who spends more time thinking about food and cooking than they do working, because you're at much higher risk for various diseases when you're overweight and your life expectancy is decreased, mortality rates are higher in the heavier people, or at least they tend to die younger. So that's losing time on that end, and I don't intend to lose any time on my life from that perspective. In addition to the time that I spend eating extra and cooking more, I could just be accomplishing way more in other domains of my life for the same amount of time spent. Therefore, I just think it's an unfruitful practice, and I have completely tried to remove myself from that as much as I can. Environmentally, mindset-wise, and behaviorally over time. Yeah, like, I think leanness and and good nutritional habits, I think it's kind of like, uh, it's almost like money. Like, money doesn't make you happy, uh, but the absence of money can cause unhappiness. And I think it's the same thing with leanness. Like, being lean won't make you happy, but being unhappy with your body and uh, just being on. Being frustrated because you're acting non-congruently with your values and, and your goals can be at the source of a lot of self-frustration and uh, and just a bad self-image. So and and you know, weight loss and especially when, when it's done so in a in a fashion where you're instilling better habits that are gonna make you better in the long term, there's just a really amazing kind of flow that one can get into and I experienced this a lot myself where you're looking better over time that's encouraging and at the same time you can look at your day-to-day actions and and what you're doing and those those make you feel proud because you're doing the right things day to day and you're 
experiencing the process of just becoming kind of a better version of yourself uh, day to day. I think that that can be a really powerful feeling. So yeah, I'm really excited for you that you're in this uh, state right now. I think you're completely right in that weight loss and body composition can be analogous to money in this situation. Because uh, as far as I know, at least, it's more devastating to a person to have a lot of money and to then lose a lot of money. And I can certainly relate to that with my fitness journey because though it's nice that I got a lot of money in the first place, quote unquote, and got into great shape for a while and maintained that, losing it was just completely hell. So for as much as it was cool to get in shape, getting out of shape was just the worst process that I could have imagined. And similarly with money, if you have a lot of money, then to lose a lot of money, you probably feel worse about yourself than if you never had money to begin with because you had achieved that prosperity. So definitely it's motivating to see weight coming off the scale now. And I do get excited for my diet weeks at this point because I see the rapid changes very quickly and it happens in a very short time span, even on a daily basis. I'm only in a deficit for three days out of the week and that's three individual large plunges into changing body composition. Then I just don't think about it, don't worry about it, and it, progress continues over time. I'm lucky that I've been able to maintain a high maintenance caloric intake throughout this process, and I definitely look forward to continuing talking and keeping up these episodes because, yeah, I think it's definitely a great experience to realize what I had and hopefully be able to maintain that for life because that's ultimately my goal with fitness. I don't necessarily care to look like I lift, quote unquote, as others would have it, but I definitely want to be lean and I want to have visible muscularity with regards to, quote unquote, the shreds or the veins and striations that are accompanying being lean generally while also maintaining a relatively normal size. Ideally, some amount of muscle mass, but I don't care to be the most muscular person. So the lifestyle I'm establishing fits what I hope future Vincent will look like. And ultimately, I think that's a fair place to wrap up. Awesome. Perfect. Yeah, that was great closure. So uh, yeah, we started off very scientific and very specific, and we ended up on a lot of philosophical notes. And that's kind of usually how this podcast goes. Uh, so yeah, this was great, Vincent, and I'm excited to keep these episodes up with you uh, in the future. So uh, yeah, and thank you for everybody for tuning in, and uh, yeah, we hopefully we'll all have a cool experience uh, going through this journey together. So yeah, see you everybody. Hey guys, I just want to tell you again that your inputs for this podcast will help it grow more than anything and your requests, ideas and comments will contribute to awesome content going live on this channel and podcast more than anything. So if you want to contribute, the best thing you can do is to go on Facebook and look up Sustainable Self-Development. You'll find both the page and the Facebook group that is dedicated to discussions and ideas being thrown around. Go there and note down your comments about what kinds of topics or guests you want to be featured on this podcast and YouTube channel in the future. Just keep in mind the general theme of this podcast and my YouTube channel, which is to help people becoming their best selves in terms of lifestyle as it pertains to fitness and general personal development. This podcast is really dedicated to self-improvement, both physically and mentally. So keep that in mind. So thanks again for tuning in and see you next time.